The commander-in-chief had had it with the press. He'd spent his time in the highest office of the land, trying to do the best for his people, but all the press did was undermine him and endanger the nation. There he was, making the country great again, and what did they write about? His marriages, his divorces, his children, even his weight. It was time the purveyors of fake news paid the price for their slander, sedition and outright treason. The most powerful man in the country decided it was time to push back, launching a 136-character broadside banning writings and books as well imprinted as other in which such writings and books many open and manifest errors and slanders are contained. The story of England's mercurial Henry VIII, who else, sounds contemporary because it is. Free speech is never ultimately won or lost. Ask a college student when the fight for free expression began and you might get any one of a number of responses. Some Americans would say it started with the ratification of the First Amendment in 1791. A European might point to the 1789 French Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen. A British person might cite John Milton's Areopagitica, published in 1644. Whatever their differences, most would describe freedom of speech as a uniquely Western concept born somewhere around the Enlightenment. The reality is far more complex. In truth, the roots of free speech are ancient, deep and sprawling. The Athenian statesman Pericles extolled the democratic values of open debate and tolerance of social dissent in 431 BCE. In the 9th century CE, the irreverent freethinker Ibn al-Rawandi used the fertile intellectual climate of the Abbasid Caliphate to question prophecy and holy books. In 1582, the Dutchman Dirk Kornhert insisted that it was tyrannical to forbid good books in order to squelch the truth. The first legal protection of press freedom was instituted in Sweden in 1766, and Denmark became the first state in the world to abolish any and all censorship in 1770. Yet, almost invariably, the introduction of free speech sets in motion a process of entropy. The leaders of any political system, no matter how enlightened, inevitably convince themselves that now freedom of speech has gone too far. Autocratic oligarchs, disdainful of sharing power with the masses, twice overthrew the ancient Athenian democracy, purging proponents of democracy and dissent along the way. Hardening laws against apostasy and blasphemy curtailed the most daring free-thinking in medieval Islam. In the Dutch Republic of the 16th century, Dirk Kornhert was exiled and his writings banned on several occasions. Both Sweden's and Denmark's experiments with press freedom were short-lived as absolutist rulers took back control of the printing presses. This phenomenon of free speech entropy is as relevant today as it was 2,500 years ago, and when looking closer, the justifications for limiting free speech in the 21st century have more in common with those used many centuries past than perhaps we would like to admit. The global club of free democracies is shrinking fast. As in ancient Athens, aspirational autocrats from Viktor Orban in Hungary to Narendra Modi in India 
view freedom of speech as the first and most important obstacle to be cleared on the path to entrenching their power. In parts of the Islamic world, blasphemy and apostasy are still punishable by death, whether enforced by the state or by jihadist vigilantes. The global free speech recession even extends to liberal democracies, who, not unlike Henry VIII, are fearful of the consequences of disinformation and hostile propaganda spreading uncontrollably among the masses through new technology. Free speech entropy is not merely political, but deeply rooted in human psychology. The drive to please others, the fear of outgroups, the desire to avoid conflict, and everyday norms of kindness pull us in the direction of wanting to silence uncomfortable speakers, whether on digital platforms, at college campuses, or in cultural institutions. Like a massive body in outer space pulling in all the matter close to it, censorship draws us all in. It is therefore all the more vital to actively foster and maintain a culture of free speech to ensure that this freedom continues. Laws are not enough on their own.